0: Y'all, let's be honest. Coaching has been hard to quantify. You yeah, have the impact. People say their lives are transformed, but executives are like, really? Like,
1: show me the money, right? Show me the numbers. The magic is for the company buying it is in the measurability. One thing they said, and it does answer your question, and I'll get to the difference between the individual and the uh, company. One thing they said is what we love about Ezra is we love the fact that we can see whether people get better, and whether our business improves, and we want to know that for our executives. A misconception that business leaders often have of coaches is that
2: is that the whole thing is soft, and I think that's yeah. soft skills, and it's you know it's a, it's a nice to have, or you know someone needs a bit of help, and you know I think the misconception is that it actually is that it really drives top line performance. There's just no question.
0: Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning on this podcast the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports cultivate your top leaders and accelerate your career let's get started here's ben hello lead the team nation i've got a fantastic one in store for you today and glad you're with us you're getting the two for one super executive coaching special coming your way i've got two leaders You're going to love hearing from. Number one, we have Nick Goldberg, who is the founder and CEO of Ezra Coaching and is on a mission to democratize access to professional coaching, which has historically been confined to the C-suite, but can be transformational for people no matter where they are in their careers. And we have John Morgan, who is the president of LHH's Career Mobility and learning Learning and Development Business. And John has a long tenure in people management and has helped leaders navigate a changing world of work and tough economic challenges for over two decades. Nick and John, welcome to Lead the Team.
1: Great to be here. Thanks,
2: Ben. Happy to be here.
0: Now, you're going to hear, for our listeners, you're going to hear three different accents today. And you can just pick the one that you uh, you know, want to kind of zoom in on, but it's probably not mine uh, from South Carolina. <laughs> We've got... We've got Nick in London, which is that that's the London accent specifically.
1: It is. It is. It's one of the London accents. There's different London accents, but it's definitely a London accent. Okay. There you go. There's one. We've got John,
0: John, New York, New Jersey, right? I'm from New York. Yeah. Although some people tell me that, you know,
2: over the years of traveling, it's kind of, it's, it's been weeded out. But when I get really, (laughs) really excited, then you can hear the New York come out.
0: All (laughs) right. Well, we're hoping to hear that today. You got uh, it. Dude. Extreme on both sides. All right. So so let's start uh uh here with Nick. Nick, what's the story behind Ezra's first customer?
1: Great question. Um so Ezra, about three and a half, four years ago, uh, an idea that we had as 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 you kindly put it in my intro, we saw the power of coaching through the work we've been doing at LHH at the executive level. And put simply, we felt this needed to be available to more people in more places of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I can tell this story now with a smile on my face at the time I would have told it much more seriously, but we, we might have put together a deck that was based on some drawings that I made on a, on a piece of paper. Um, we walked very confidently into the hamburger University in chicago uh the learning <laughs> Not hamburg hamburger hamburger University. exactly <laughs> the the learning headquarters of Mcdonald's um and very confidently with uh, melanie Steinbach uh who I know is is very proud of being our first mm. Ezra customer mm-hmm. uh we pitched it to to Melanie and we told her we had this beautiful uh, platform that would deliver coaching at scale in a more affordable way. Um, and mm-hmm. Melanie, after four slides, uh, so we had to 10 slides. And after four slides, she said, shut your computer, we want to be your first customer. J- mm. Dead on is truth. And um, I remember walking out of that meeting and phoning our CTO. It sounds really big. There was three of us. There was me, a PA and a CTO. And, mm-hmm. and phoning Sean and saying, good news, McDonald's want to be our first customer. McDonald's, you know, everyone knows McDonald's. What a great first customer to have. The bad news is they want to launch in 12 weeks. So we had to turn mm. my drawings um, into into a, a platform. Um, luckily, we had the benefit of LHH and the amazing coaching network that they had, which made that a lot simpler to launch. Um, but we did. And, and I think looking back, Having actually a focus point for innovation, Mm. having a deadline of a 12-week deadline, even though it was a short window, definitely gave us an advantage because I think had we not have won that customer, we might have been still running around for weeks, if not months, thinking about what it could look like, how it could look. Mm. I think it gave us a real focus. So that's how we won our first customer.
0: Well, congratulations. And I guess you guys don't do anything small, including your first customer. Uh, why not? Why not go for the largest fast food chain, probably in the world? Absolutely, <laughs> that's the first Absolutely.
1: customer. And I must say, anyone looking at this, you know, if you're ever looking to launch a business, and it's it's a fairly obvious thing to say, but we were very targeted about who that should be. You know, Ezra mm-hmm. is is now a very it's a global business. You know, last week we delivered in 114 countries, uh, and we knew at the beginning that if we were going to get people to buy into it, everyone's first question would be who else uses it. And whether you're Mm -hmm. in Japan, or Germany, or America, everybody knows McDonald's. So it was it was very thoughtful about who that would be. Of course, it wasn't easy. And we benefited hugely from the relationships Mm -hmm. that we had through LHH. Um, But it was a, a huge win for us at the beginning.
0: So John, let's talk about l h h for a minute obviously very large global entity mm-hmm. and and you're at the helm here and it sounds like you know Ezra started with McDonald's or this coaching model democratizing it and then the l h h side right is more has been more executive coaching based or at least you know finding the synergy that that's what's coming together here yeah and f- and from my standpoint, I'm curious you know what's the perspective on bringing executive coaching? Into yeah. this because and also for the listeners, how are you actually defining coaching yeah. versus executive coaching?
2: sure it's it's great. and I would tell you coaching is coaching and I think you know you know the idea of giving individualized development to mm-hmm. somebody who is an individual contributor, a middle manager, early career learner or a senior c-suite executive, the coaching process is very similar. Um, obviously the the nuances, the focus is quite different, but you know that's kind of. Hmm when Nick and when, you know, Nick and I, and I was there, you know, for the early days at McDonald's as well. And the idea Mm -hmm. was to originally start to democratize coaching and, and really use digital and and sort of spread this wonderful, you know, kind of individualized development capability to a lot of different people. And so you were really, you know, kind of going forward in an innovative track, but but three years ago, there was still, um, you know, there was this still sort of approach that, you know, well, the the C-suite, right. You know, you know, we'll never go for this, you know, sort of different type of coaching experience. You know, coaching had previously been done very bespoke, very high touch, you know, sort of, you know, um, you know very intense sometimes with deeper mm-hmm. uh, psychometric tools. And and so the idea that, you know, this analog type of offering could be digitized was met with some skepticism, I'd say, uh, early on. And then I think we just, as we got into this, you know, and Nick will tell you this too, as as, as, as McDonald's grew to hundreds and hundreds of customers, we found out, you know, that, listen, C-suite executives have adopted post-COVID really rapidly. And, you know, this idea of a, of a better user experience, you know, and, and a you know the ability to have a high touch bespoke experience in a digital way was really, really doable. And that's why we started to design Ezra X um, in, Nick's, uh, in Nick's product development shop. And so we wanted to be able to evolve the offer to now include uh, deeper psychometric tools, include tri-party meetings and different ways to give people feedback on the platform mm-hmm. and create experience that was that was highly customized but digitized at the same time. And, and that's kind of where we're at right now with Ezra X in the market. so we're incredibly excited to be extending the offer um, you know within the C-suite because back to your original question, you know you know coaching is coaching. You know this idea of self-discovery, getting people feedback, helping people make a change. I mean that process is the same no matter what level. Um, you know, but what's different is the level of coach, right? The level of sort of sophistication of the tools that you might use potentially are a little bit different. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's an individualized self-discovery process.
0: I would love to get y'all's perspective on this. So y'all are really emphasizing the whole technology side which I think is really cool because coaching has kind of been old school and it's mindset for so long, uh, meeting in person, meeting one-on-one over the phone, but not necessarily leveraging tools, And also notice that Ezra X has a lot of really cool metrics involved, including, I'll just report some of them, organizations boost employee loyalty by 77%, which is insane. Uh, Retention rates by 14%, promotion rates by 11%, really great, great great numerical results. Historically, y'all, let's be honest, coaching has been hard to quantify the impact. People say their lives are transformed, but executives are like, really? Like, show me the money, right? Show me the numbers. And so that's one thing I think is really cool that that you've been able to quantify that. But the flip side of this is, is y'all know that confidentiality is just so important in coaching. And when you're when your company is buying your coaching for you or sponsoring you, they want to see a return. And you've got the numbers here. So how does LHH and Ezra, how are y'all navigating this minefield of quality confidentiality with, with executives yeah, and with numerical quantifiable feedback so it's like you got two people to get to yeah. satisfy the coachy yeah. and the company so how are yeah. y'all navigating this
1: yeah you you you've described one of our greatest challenges i think in terms of you know when we when we built this and and actually i would i would take it one step further you know any any leadership development solution, whether it be coaching or or anything, the the, the magic is for the company buying it is in the measurability. And, and often yep. at times, it's the hardest thing for any provider to prove. In fact, 10 years ago, when I was a sales guy selling leadership development and a customer would say to me, How do you show us a return on our investment? I was trained and I would train my team to figure out how to divert that conversation into another <laughs> territory because it was such a hard thing to actually yeah. show. Yeah. And when we created Ezra, there were three pillars. One was scalability, one was accessibility, making it a great user experience. And mm-hmm. the third, probably the thing that, and you've read it out there, was how do we actually show companies that they can measure it? And, you know, when John was talking about how the amalgamation of Ezra and executive coaching has come together through Ezra X, this was actually what your question there was incredibly insightful because our clients came to us actually during COVID. So Spotify, who was an Ezra customer, came to us and said, we're paying you this much money, which is a lot less to coach all of our mid-level leaders, all done digitally all done mm-hmm. through a video conferencing app, Ezra. And we're paying another firm, not LHH in this case, uh, literally 10 times the amount to coach our executives. And it's all done digitally. Um, why mm-hmm. don't you, What that doesn't make sense to us. Why don't you create a kind of uber black version of Ezra? Um and one thing they said, and it does answer your question, and I'll get to the difference between the individual and the uh, company. One thing they said is what we love about Ezra is we love the fact that we can see whether people get better and whether our business improves. And we want to know that for our executives. And I suppose that the simple answer to your question is whether you're working at Ezra or Ezra X level, the way that we balance it in the most straightforward way to explain is that we give everything on a, to the company on an aggregate basis. So they know um, on an aggregate basis, because they're buying at scale, that employees are 77% more likely to stay at a certain bank, or people are 11% more likely to get promoted when they do controlled Mm -hmm. group case studies. And, And as you can imagine, like with any, and I'm sure your listeners will understand this, with any platform of today, having a place to log in and see in real time whether people are getting better, whether people are using it, is table stakes. And and on Ezra, we try to really make that simple. But the company sees it on an aggregate basis. They never understand the individual confidentiality shared in the platform or between the coach and the coachee. And the other thing that that companies are able to do on Ezra and Ezra X is they meet with our coaches on a regular basis. So we have, Mm -hmm. so for example, we work with Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola will have a cadre of coaches that are just assigned to that account. And then when Coca-Cola want to learn about their coaching, they won't just read their reports, they will have a quarterly meeting with those coaches that's facilitated where they will learn all about the themes, all about what people are perceiving, how people are learning, how people are getting more effective. So as well as the quantitative aggregated data, they also see the qualitative. The individual reports that people get are shared if given permission with their line manager because it's important to have line managers' buy in. But at a corporate mm-hmm. level, you know, and following the ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation no. guidelines, we don't share anything confidential because that would change. That would change the, the, um, the relationship between the coach and it actually goes against our morals. I, I'll tell you a story that there was a client where they demanded on one individual to, to hear about the exact coaching conversation and we held our ground and we didn't give that information to that client about that one individual, because I think that, that you know, we are a company guided by our mission and and guided by delivering value. And there's a certain code of ethics that we follow and, and, and it goes as far as we won't divulge confidential information that's shared in confidence with a coach.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Good. I want to add two points on it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's important because it's, it's, it's an important point about as you move, um, an analog offer to a digital offer, right? You have to retain sort of some of the core elements of it. And one of them is at, at, even in a, in a digital platform, um, you know, trust in the coaching process is absolutely a critical success factor. So the idea of determining with your coachee, even though it's on the platform, our coaches, right, you know, are, 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 are determining expectations up front around what ex, what type of information should be shared with the manager and what shouldn't be shared with the manager. And that's all part of a coaching agreement document that gets done, you know, at the beginning of any coaching engagement. So that's, mm-hmm. that's something that we've had to really work on to make sure that gets translated and comes over you know, as we deliver coaching in a, in a highly digitized environment. Um, the other thing, you know, in addition to what Nick mentioned, which is spot on, you know, is, you know, having this dashboard is really, really helpful. And, and the blend of quantitative and qualitative feedback is something that I think is really important for our clients. But, but also the idea, I mean, you know, part of the really cool thing about Ezra is that we also have a proprietary um, assessment tool, right. That's on the platform. So as we collect, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of bits of competency and behavior data um, for our customers, coaches that are going through the platform, um, it, it informs the learning strategy of the learning, you know, department within the company. So we have really great, you know, behavioral gap data on high potentials, for example, that are going through our program that might be really, you know, you know, thematically scoring low on one or two areas. And, and it's information that we can then feed right to the heads of learning and development to say, Hey, let's start to think about how we might build programmatic solutions for you in leadership development, because it looks like, right. groups of your high potential employees are really struggling with this one particular leadership behavior. And that's been, that's been pretty valuable
1: as well.
0: Yeah. I like, to be honest, it sounds like you guys are doing a great job of threading the needle. It's not easy. Uh, I'm an ICF certified coach and I've had the exact similar experience, Nick, where that company was wanting more details. And I'm like, you know, I, and we set up the agreement initially as this, as you know, I will, I will, or we will report that they showed up for coaching and we did it, but we're not going to reveal individual details. And I think one of the magic, it sounds like one of the magic piece to this is you're reporting it at an aggregate level, which protects the identity and confidentiality of the person. Because man, if you don't have that, it's just hard to get anywhere with coaching. And especially, I think the higher you go up in the organization, it's just it's just more at stake, and it's harder it's harder to uh, I think for leaders to be vulnerable. Although we're although we're beginning to see that change a little bit uh, p- using LinkedIn, using podcasting, leaders are putting their personal stories out there a little bit more now. But uh, that kind of protection uh, sounds like it's going well for you guys. So I commend you on that, and it sounds like this platform is set up for success. Now I yeah, could so I, I, I could talk I, coaching with y'all an awful lot, but I need to dig into y'all's awesome careers too. Because I was looking at this and I'm like, man, I got a lot of questions here uh about, about your career that I think all of us are going to learn a lot from today. Uh, number one, Nick, what was it like taking your whole company to Portugal?
1: <laughs> Great question. <laughs> honestly, I did honestly, there was a moment. So, so, you know, Ezra, when Ezra started it was me and 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 one person. And I was standing in Lisbon and we call them Ezra Nauts. Our staff are Ezra Nauts. So I was standing in front of 262 Ezra Nauts on the stage, all in yellow and black. We have a bit of a yellow and black fetish at Ezra um and and there was a moment i i kind of wanted to call my mum, if i'm honest with you to show her because i was so proud of 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 the fact that we had this group of people there and and you know ezra's growth really and, and john john talk, and i talk about this a lot you know there's that you know famous phrase that culture eats strategy for breakfast that gets overused at times but i i am such a believer in it and you know our growth has come from the culture that we've built. And really our Lisbon conference was about embedding that culture further within the organization. And we Mm. spent so much time on that. But the feeling was, from a working career perspective, probably the best feeling I've I've ever had Mm. in in my career, being there, watching people, um, seeing how, how much they loved being there, but also working hard. We did a lot of work there. I've got to say that with John on the call, but we did do a lot of work. There. Um, <laughs> a return you know, on that conference. Yes. Yeah. We, we well, came out there. And I would say one other thing we had, you know, one really interesting thing, right? So in the past, I've invited people to these conferences, customers, and mm-hmm. we've sent out like 200 invites to try and get like 10 customers come along. We sent out 20 invites as our first round and 13 customers replied to come. So, 13 out of the 20 came. And on the first two days, we had, in the end, 15 of our largest customers with us, who were sharing intimately their stories, their ideas, mm-hmm. their, you know, how do we improve Ezra? And that that wow. was awesome. Um, and, you mm-hmm. know, shout out to all those customers who came because for a lot of our Ezra Nauts, that was also a huge highlight to hear the stories from them.
0: Yeah, what a what a great idea. I think a lot of times that's a missed opportunity. Maybe you're doing a retreat, you're you're bringing your team together. Uh, and I think it's really uh insightful to bring the customer along because they get to know more about you. Uh and uh in the coaching business it is about trust. And so developing that w- w- with them, I mean what a powerful way to do it. And also understand that you're a fan of the handwritten thank you note.
1: Yeah. how'd um,
0: you know that? What I'm having my sources. <laughs> so, what? When did you start writing handwritten thank you notes? And
1: what's been the result? that you Uh So, inspired by Airbnb, not an Ezra customer yet. About <laughs> ten years ago, I went to their offices and I saw they had a a writing corner where they did this. And then I saw that they would write notes and put them on people's desks, they would come back to their desk, and they would see this note. And I just thought, what a wonderful idea. And I actually think as we become more digital, the power of a handwritten note is even more effective. So I started with holiday or Christmas cards. And it was easy when we were 30 staff in LHH, and we grew to 300. And then it became challenging. Um, But we still did it, I committed to it, I felt like spending three or four days, you know, with maybe a a glass of red wine, at home, you know, writing these (laughs) cards would have a really big impact. And I think what's (laughs) really important about these cards, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but it's something I'm passionate about, is we don't write them, like, dear Ben, thank you for your hard work. Lots of love, Nick. It's it's (laughs) dear Ben, thank you for your hard work on the podcast. I listened to your interview with John and Nick and found it incredibly insightful. Keep up the good work. You know, they're they're truly personalized. And and firstly, that gives us and me a really good understanding of really learning my staff Mm. and and our team. But Mm. I know, so on the last night of Lisbon, when everyone showed up to the event, there was 260 odd people there. As their name setting, they had a handwritten card from me and from Jack, our co-founder. Or, or we 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 did split them because in fact, that one, we our whole leadership team, we took because because we were all in a hurry, we split, we all had like 40 cards to write. And each of us wrote a card actually to a team that wasn't our team, because I thought that was useful. Mm-hmm. And the impact, you know, people cried. Like people cried with emotion at the thought that we put in and that. It's real, but it creates connection and engagement and a different level of engagement for what took us probably five or six hours. Um, I could think of five or six hours I spent this week on stuff that will have far less impact than writing those cards. So for me, there is a bit of how does it add value? But there's also a huge element of it's just it's a it's a nice thing to do for someone that basically is free or like a 100 bucks for cards.
0: Such such a cool thing for leaders today to listen to in a world of text and email. It's hard to beat the hand, the power of the handwritten note. And you almost never find an email printed out and never a text printed out and put up by someone's computer at home or at their office. But I bet a lot of those folks could immediately like those folks listening today could probably pull out that handwritten note and they're saving it. Yeah. Uh, Share with their family. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a power. I mean, they
1: shared they shared them on LinkedIn. We didn't know that would happen, but a lot of them shared pictures of the cards on LinkedIn. And again, we didn't do it for that reason, but I think it shows how much it meant to people that we flew them all the way to Lisbon. We 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 treated them really well all week. The thing they remembered was a handwritten card from one of the leadership team and And I and again it was it's uh, we will always do it. And whether we're three hundred or three thousand people, it's worth it. And it is possible. And there's no no one can tell us it's impossible to do when Mm. you're that big because you can always do it. Just got to prioritize it.
0: Thank you for sharing that. What a cool what a cool story and really a cool strategy for leaders to start thinking about for themselves and their teams. Now, now, John, getting into your background, I mean, it's pretty interesting. So you've been at LHH for 17 years. Okay? Yep. Yep. And before that, Spherion, Watson, Wyatt, now Towers, Watson. Yep. Can you go back even further? You were majoring in psychology. I mean, it seems like you were getting into this world of, of thought mm-hmm. early on in your career. Yeah. When When was the moment? That you decided, hey, I'm gonna make a career out of this. Um, was it when you were younger? Was it through college? Did you just kind of yeah. fall into it after college, or, or yeah. what was it?
2: That, I think it's it's funny. I, I mean, it, it it really happened when I was in graduate school um, early on. And I had a, you know, like so many people, and you know, this is why actually I think I, I love coaching so much. Um, you know, I, I had the benefit of working with a mentor. You know when I was you know it was really my senior year of college and then into my first year of graduate school where you know I really stumbled upon the industrial and organizational psychology track right you know I had liked I liked psychology quite a bit because I really was fascinated by the you know the element of human behavior but I you know I had a I had a minor um, in business administration and later on went on to get an MBA as well so I really really enjoyed you know, human behavior in the context of organizations. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, kind of, I was always interested in studying what motivated and engaged people um, at work. And then, you know, as you started to get to the field of, of IO psychology, as it's called, um, you realize that, you, wow, you can really, you know, make a career out of this because in every organization and, and, and no matter, you know, what the offer is, you know, mm-hmm. and you read, you know, every sort of, um, you know, every annual report of every publicly traded company, you know, the human element is a key enabler of every strategy, no matter what, you know, if it's an an M&A strategy, if it's an organic strategy, any kind of business performance strategy, you're going to have human capital as a key tenet of that strategy. And so, you know, the ability to first as a practitioner um, get into coaching and leadership development and assessment and helping people, you know, realize their fullest potential at work was incredibly rewarding. And then to be able to do that at scale, you know, leading a business and helping other professionals, as I do now, deliver that promise of making a difference in the careers of people is incredibly motivating. And that's what's Mm. kept me, um, you know, first in management consulting and then um, within the HR consulting arena, specifically for the past 17 years at LHH. I mean, the work we do, and you know a little bit about LHH, we have, you know, with Ezra, you know, one of the three biggest executive coaching businesses in the world, but then we also have the largest, um, app placement and career transition firm in the world as well. And the common denominator is that we get to make a difference in people's lives, whether they're transitioning from one job to another, whether they're transitioning up into an organization or through the work that mix team leads where they're really helping people, you know, get great at being a leader. Um, it's incredibly impactful at the end of the day and and that's not just me it's everybody at LHH and Ezra, I think you know you ask them why they come to work every day I mean they get to make a difference and change people's lives in a business context it's it's a really special purpose driven organization which I think keeps a lot of people here for a long time
0: so throwing this out to either one of you that want to tackle it so there's in, in my mind that there's the, there's coaching and then there's the business of coaching yeah. uh, and they're completely different in some ways. I don't know. Well, at at least from my perspective or the skill sets are are perhaps different. What do you think the misconceptions are of one another? Like what are the, what are the coaches misconceptions about the business of coaching and what are the business of coaching leaders misconceptions about, about coaches? (laughs) Everybody's like, what are you talking? uh,
2: It's a great question. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the misconceptions, and I'll let Nick jump in. I mean, I think one of the we've hit on this a little bit earlier, you know, Ben, when you said like, you know, uh, I think a a misconception that business leaders often have of coaches is that is that the whole thing is soft. And I think about soft skills, and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a it's a nice to have, or you know, someone needs a bit of help and you know, I think the misconception is that it actually is that it really drives top line performance. There's just no question. Right. I mean that, you know, mm-hmm. you know that, and I think that's been demystified, but I think, you know, up until recently and you still, we still have customers where we walk in, and I think it's objection about like, you know, sort of show me the money as you said in the beginning, it's probably the biggest misconception is that, is that, the, is that these skills are, are, are soft, but you know, our pushback is always that, that these soft, skills are, are just simply the hardest ones to crack, which is why we need the support. So I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest misconception that business leaders have of the coaches. I don't know, Nick, if you want to take the, the flip yeah, side. The other
1: one, it's interesting, I think. And I actually think if you think about the rise of digital coaching, which has been which has been predominantly certain in America, you know, driven by arguably tech companies on SaaS Valuations with digital services that have seen the niche and the opportunity, or, or I suppose the market opportunity within coaching to disrupt it and hiring coaches to go on their platform. You could argue if I was a coach, I would see this as the industry is being commoditized. And, you know, there are all these platforms mm-hmm. now out there. But I think that from certainly from our perspective is a real misconception. You know, we are, as you know, and you've stated and and John's talked about, you know, we have been a coaching company for over 50 years and, you know, we care and and John is absolutely right, whether you're an Ezra nor, or you're working in the LHH business, you're driven to work here by the impact that you can make on individuals and internal companies. And actually, I think. I don't think it's a misconception for the ezra coaches who work with us today but i think people who are looking to become a coach with ezra might be thinking oh this is just a a way to stack them high and and sell us cheap well it's absolutely Mm -hmm. not this is a way this is a a real mission that we're on Mm -hmm. um, to deliver what we describe as a genuine superpower that these coaches have and giving them a vehicle to deliver that at scale to more people all over the world. So I think there's a there's a misconception potentially of it becoming commoditized versus actually, we've just enabled it to be able to be given to far more people.
0: Want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox, a great resource whether you listen to the episode or not. Go to BenFanning.com slash insight. So uh, on, on the Lead the Team show, we've been having more and more uh, executives from our, the artificial intelligence realm. And specifically large companies, Fortune 50 companies have created C-suite positions like the like Chief Artificial Intelligence Officer. And it's it's uh, it's coming in, in all kinds of, of uh, shapes and forms. And I know I'm asking you to sort of step in and kind of take out, pull out your crystal ball here. But how do you think artificial intelligence is going to transform coaching and executive coaching? I
2: think, I mean, I'll start, Nick. I mean, I think it's here already, right? I mean, I think, you know, we use this concept of of, of learning nudges. And and I think that's, that's one of the, the ways that AI is already reshaping the business, right? So when I say learning nudges, I mean, basically... You know, one of the beauties of, of having uh, you know coaching happen on a platform is that you you get insights into assessment results of the individual. You get insights into developmental goals of the individuals, and so you know to then um, you know sort of use the algorithms to to then recommend not only you know one on one coaching topics, but but self directed learning that the person could take advantage of on the platform as well to help to help close gaps that are coming up through the coaching is is an obvious one right and i think that's that's just a really great user experience because in the past again if you go back to individualized coaching the coach would be like oh i'm going to send you an article the coach would follow up with you and say oh you know thought you might like this right you know or, or, or based on our last mm-hmm. conversation a month ago you know i read about this and, and and in the future that's automated right i mean that the the ai algorithm you know generates the reading the developmental tool you know the odd uh, the self-directed learning that the person can take advantage of in, in real time so that's one example um I'll, I'll ask nick the comment because he's got lots of things that
1: he's cooking up
0: <laughs> a building on that i want to hear Nick's response do you believe that ai will replace coaching at some point entirely
1: yeah i mean i i i get asked that i'd say on a weekly basis wherever i am um, <laughs> Yeah. I think just to build on John's point first, absolutely AI is here. We use it in our platform today. We use it to to match match with co- coach to coachee. We use it to send nudges. That will only get better. You know, we're working on things that can read people's calendars and understand their learning preferences. And when it does recommend an article or a podcast or a video based on what you prefer, it will mm-hmm. send it to you. At the, an hour before your difficult conversation with your employee, knowing that you've got a free slot in your calendar, that would be cool. Because I think getting this learning and doing this learning is actually just amount, just as much about being in the flow of work and getting it at the right time than it is about what it is. And, and AI will certainly help with that. Okay. Um, and then there are a whole other ways that AI can improve the user experience. I'd actually go on record to say I I don't think that a virtual coach will overtake a human coach, certainly for the foreseeable future. And there are many people that would disagree, and there are many applications being built right now that we've looked at, that we've seen, that our clients are using. I I struggle whenever I try these applications, and I try them because clearly they are a potential competitor or a potential acquisition. I I just whenever I write context like and I'm saying this on a call but I always say this you know and this is just an example John but like struggling with my boss today um don't know how to approach the next conversation didn't sleep last night cuz Charlie was up all night the coach bot does not give me the best support or advice in that scenario a coach mm-hmm can see how tired I am when she or he is looking at me, can understand the context of my relationship with John, can understand um, the difficult challenges that I've got this week with budgeting going on, whatever it might be. It. I, I. And again, I might have a self-limiting belief over what that could possibly be, but right now everything I've seen is good for very tactical, fairly generic stuff, but the moment you contextualize it, there's a reason why a human coach is there um, you know it's a relationship can 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 an ai replace truly replace a human relationship that you have that's a whole nother question for another podcast but yeah, I, I i i i can't see it maybe that's because i'm a very relational person but i can't see it
0: yeah uh, s- some really powerful responses there uh, from from both of you one of the things that that comes up for me is thinking about the emotional side and I think linguistically, conversationally, I mean, you see it with, with these customer service bots that are interacting with us to help us solve a very surface-level problem. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the emotional side, uh, robots don't have emotions, at least yet. And to, and to resonate in that way, it just just can't do it. Maybe reading body dispositions, eventually, if we have like an infrared screen, they can say, well… You know, the client is hunched over, they're sad, or maybe they can read that. But right now, that's how body language goes. And hearing yeah. the tone of your voice is another way to recognize it. So, yeah, I think it's very yeah. limited. I mean, just
1: think about this. Like, like the moment the bot makes a mistake in its read of your situation, you'd lose complete faith and confidence in that. Whereas if your coach <laughs> misreads misread something... they they have a chance to to explain it or Mm -hmm. or re-clarify or i I just i struggle with it but yeah you know many people
2: disagree so do i show me the uh, algorithm that teaches the robot empathy and i'll be and i'll
0: be wowed (laughs) maybe one day (laughs) i don't know yeah it's 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 coming but it's but it'll be a long time i think before they uh, before they totally get that now I'm really curious from you both uh you've probably had a lot of interesting coaches throughout your career uh what's been um one of the most powerful things that you've learned from your own coaches mm-hmm. John, do you
2: want to go first? yeah, sure, I'll go first. I mean that's the 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 good the good and the bad thing right about um <laughs> working and then leading uh- <laughs> An HR organization that specializes in coaching is that you become feedback rich, right? So I've gotten over the years, uh, my share of uh, 360 debriefs, which have all been really, really helpful. But I'd say I can can remember one that was kind of earlier in my career when I went through one of my first 360s and we used to use this this tool. which is called the uh, the leadership effectiveness analysis by this great um, provider up in, up in Maine. And um, I, I went to the debrief and, you know, they, they basically assess you on all these different variables. They assess you on your ability to um, as a leader, to not only develop a vision, but to communicate a vision and instill followership and drive results and sort of a classic leadership competency model. So I'm getting the, you know, the kind of readout on all of my, on all of my variables and all of my peers and, you know, get the scores And I remember the the uh, assessor kind of looking at me and saying, you know, you've got a really, really interesting profile. You're 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 really, really strategic. You're a really, really good um, communicator, uh, but you don't always, you know, bring your whole team along with you. Right. And there are times you're trying to go really, really fast with people and you're making assumptions that everyone is with you at the same speed um, and you're leaving some of the people behind. And, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and if people don't know you, here's the thing that was always, this is kind of the derailer. It's like, that's, that on the surface is a really easy thing to correct. But, but then somebody gave me this aha moment where it's like, but if somebody observed this behavior and, and doesn't really know you, the, the misperception of you as a leader could be that you're simply aloof and you don't care and they gave me this direct feedback right like and those words really kind of was the wake up call for me like it's mm-hmm. it's one thing for a coach to tell you oh you know you have to work on your communication okay that's a pretty common thing that comes up in a leader that's earlier in the career it's quite another thing for a coach to sit there and tell you no if you don't if you don't fix this mm-hmm. people are going to think that you're aloof and don't care and and that was like whoa like no one's ever told me that before and it it, it still kind of rings true to me like sometimes like when i'm working on things um, it's like, how do people that don't know me perceive me? Like, people that know me, yeah, I'm, I, I can say something that might not land really well, but they're going to know it comes from good intent and they're not going to have an issue with it. But people that don't know me, then I really have a terrible perception of me. So, you know, it was just really eye opening. And I'll just always remember that it was probably 15 years ago, but it still rings true to me.
0: Yeah. When, when you get a wake up call like that, you know, it's a right. powerful moment when you're thinking about it 15 years later and you're still drawn mm-hmm. on it. And Absolutely. And kudos to you for being open to that kind of feedback. I mean, Absolutely. it's that that's the most difficult thing. I feel like we're always getting feedback. The key is if we're actually open to, yeah. to receiving it. That's yeah. the
2: power of coaching. Like you want a coach that's gonna tell you something that nobody else is willing to tell you. And that's what leaders tell us all the time. You know what I mean? Like it's like when you get to a certain level in an organization, a lot of times people are not gonna tell you. But like they're just not going to mm-hmm. tell you. We hear a lot of leaders that we coach say, oh, it's, "It's a really lonely job," but that's the power of coaching.
0: Yeah, it's and also I was I was thinking, you know, one of the things that gets in people's way, and then Nick, I want to hear hear about yours here, is that the more successful a leader is or an organization is, a lot of times, at least what I've noticed, and I'm curious from your perspective, John, oftentimes the less open they are for feedback because they're like things are going so well. Why do I need to be? Why do I need to get a? Why do I need to work with Ezra or a, a coach or anything like that? Because we're 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 doing so well, and I think leaders being open to feedback, even in the midst of success, probably there's probably a key to longevity there. Whereas if the company needs a turnaround, a lot of times they're way more open. I don't know what's your what's your take on that based on what you've seen on the industry.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think. um coaching is not about fixing things. Coaching is about constantly growing and, and constantly evolving your leadership behavior so that, you know, if things are going really well, it's how can they get better. If you're in a turnaround, it's about, you know, I, you know, using coaching as a way to identify, you know, one or two real, you know, potential landmines are gonna, that are going to get in the way of a turnaround, right? So I think no matter what the context, um, you know, I think the leader, you know, needs to just basically figure out, what the one or two developmental goals that they have are and and, and apply it. But it's, it, I think it's, you know, generally in my experience, um, you know, whether you're turning something around or something that's going really well, generally senior, le- senior people are moving really, really fast. So yeah. you, you got to get them to slow down and you got to get them to understand like, how can they, how can they be, you know, a part of, you know, uh, bringing their goal to fruition and how can, how can
1: coaching help them? Right.
0: Nick, what's been some of the most memorable coaching advice that you've received?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think about a time where when I first had a coach, I I was lucky enough to also have work shadowing where the coach would join me for a day with my team and sit in the corner and try and make himself <laughs> invisible, but watch me actually in in, in my flow. Um and uh, and interestingly on on Ezra X just to, this isn't a plug but we offer that now it's much easier to do that in a virtual environment you know a, a coach can join a big team meeting and watch you in in the in the flow of work and then give you feedback but i remember this coach at the end we talked a lot about body language and it's interesting because i still don't think i am perfect at this but i am i am quite a direct leader um you know, I will say what's on my mind. But often in a room where he watched me in any kind of brainstorming situation, my body language, if someone would come up with an idea, or someone would say something that I didn't agree with, it was incredibly obvious in the room that I wasn't on board. Mm. And when you do that, you can potentially stifle innovation and stop people, because it might be that that first thing isn't quite right or certainly you know could be great it's not i don't think it's right but you then don't let the conversation flow because your body language doesn't let it happen and you know whether it's you're rolling your eyes or you're disinterested or you look at your phone or you do something and it can be the smallest gesture it, it the coach would ask me how, you know very common coaching question how do you think that made james feel how do you think that made mary behave when she came up with her next idea and when you when you're asked these questions that's why I love coaching you know when you're asked these questions by your coach and the coach knows the answers that's the, sometimes the frustrating thing the coach knows that Mary doesn't feel good when I do that but when the coach asks me how she feels and I start to frame it in my my mind and we've done a lot of research on this at Ezra around the neuroscience of how your how new formations in your brain mm-hmm. will form when you're coming up with the answer yourselves when when he did that with me, it, it made me realize, and there are moments, not every moment, and anyone on my team who's listening to this will say, but Nick sometimes does roll his eyes, and it's probably true, but I do roll them less, and I do think about what Gary, my coach, said to me at that time um, often, and I think it then has translated into very tactical but quite different ways in which I will behave with my team.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so good. I love both those examples. And I think it's so important when um when you're in the in the coaching world and you're leading a coaching organization that you're getting coaching. <laughs> it's amazing sometimes that be, you know, leaders aren't. And the fact that you're on that on that growth journey and still reflect upon those those times, I think is excellent. Now I was starting to wind this up and uh, man, I've got so many other questions. So I don't I guess we'll have to just sort of narrow it down here. But what's a, a a parting thought that you'd each like to leave with our listeners today?
2: Yeah, I'll go first, and then Nick, you can you can close this. I think you know the parting thought uh, for me is that um, quite simply, uh, you know, coaching is, as far as we can tell, up until now, <clears throat> I think you know, the best form of individualized development, you know, that that we have as a tool as an HR as an HR practitioner. So I would just encourage listeners, you know, if you haven't um, experienced the self-discovery process to, to, to have a go at it, um, and any type of forum that you can get, it could be professional, it could be informal, but, but the idea of opening yourself up to some feedback, um, going on a self-awareness journey and, and working on it, uh, Prof- professionally or personally, by the way, um, it's just a really, really great experience. And you know, I would just encourage all your listeners to to have a go at it as ever comfortable they are.
0: Yeah, I like that. It reminds us where the journey starts. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, leaders want to start to correct a situation or work. They want to start by going to do something, go take action on the world. But interestingly, what what you're pointing out here, I think, is hey, the the journey starts with ourselves. Yeah. And having the courage as a leader to look at how we're doing things before we go out and start changing other things in the world because a lot of times just by changing how we're approaching it, how we're thinking about it, uh, can facilitate a much bigger, bigger, bolder, more successful action in the world. And a coach is a great way to facilitate that happening for ourselves. I certainly and I certainly believe in it myself.
1: Uh Nick. Yeah I mean I just say you know I'd build on what John said so I agree everything with with what John said and I just say you know right now with the amount of change that is going on in the world um and it's 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 actually quite insane when you think about everything that everyone is dealing with right now I mean you know whether it be uh the war the the economy the the trying to get people back into the office or hybrid work, you know, ev- ev- there are so many different things and the consistency, or I suppose the lack of consistency that exists in the challenges that we face make any kind of, I would say uh group or, or, kind of classroom-based intervention very difficult because we all have such unique and personal challenges (laughs) and I think the reason why the coaching industry is growing so much is because we all have such a personal opportunity and challenge at work every day and I think you know and I would say this not just about Ezra but the whole industry to think that this year you know Fifty times more people were coached than last year because of how fast this is growing mm. is such a cool thing because having a coach and I see it obviously in my job every day you know we coach thousands of people every day and I hear stories about how it truly changed someone's life that's cool and i and I think long may that continue, and long may mm-hmm. us and our competitors find ways whether to take coaching up to the top of an organization or even further down an organization because the more people that get this superpower and it might sound cheesy but the better the world will be because if we all had a coach if everyone in the world had a coach we would have a better place and i think that that is what our mission is and and something we we long and strive for and 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 that's how i would like to certainly say my last words on this very enjoyable podcast. And obviously thank you, Ben, for hosting. Well, you're welcome,
0: Nick. And thanks for coming on. And John, thanks for coming on too. What a great conversation. Looking forward to getting this out into the world and make it a better place, just like Nick's saying here. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, thanks, ben.
2: Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. If
0: you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best selling book, The Quit Alternative, the blueprint for creating the job you love without quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping.